Hey, and welcome to the Weather Channel. I, Allie, personally know that when you're at rock bottom, it can feel like God is an emotionally abusive boyfriend. This podcast exists to disprove the theory that joy and goodness are only found in perfect circumstances. Here, you will hear real stories from people who, when faced with heart-wrenching circumstances, chose joy, whether or not it made sense. Lately, I have heard from many people who have reached out to me for advice about a loved one who was just recently diagnosed with cancer or some other horrible illness. And through that conversation, usually the question of what can I do, what gifts were most helpful for you comes up. And so because I have received that question so much, which by the way, I love, I love that question. If you are championing someone who is going through illness right now, let me just say thank you because you are making all the difference for them. But because I got that question so much, I actually created a blog post about all of the gifts that were the most helpful and the biggest blessings for me, as well as um, even some things for my kids and my husband during my treatment. So I will share that link in the show notes. But if you want to go to it right now, the link is AllieChristian.com slash gifts for a warrior. And that's no spaces, AllieChristian.com slash gifts for a warrior. There are at least 30 gifts here for people who, like I said, are long-term patients or just received a horrible diagnosis. These things were just, they just changed the game for us. So again, thank you if you are championing someone who just received a horrible diagnosis, AllieChristian.com slash gifts for a warrior. Right. I'm preaching to myself. I don't need to try and change the entire world. Um, I've got to go back to my tag, which I don't stay. I didn't come on that tagline lightly, how one invitation can change a generation. And then we know that the process of multiplication that just do the math, like if I'm investing in one person, and that person is investing in one person and that person investing. I mean, the numbers multiply and the radical generational effect over decades is like so amazing. And so I feel really grateful kind of to see my parents were first generation believers. Um, they're my mom, they're my mom is 82. She died if I said that, but actually she's kind of proud of that because she's 82 and she does sil slivers or whatever that aerobics class is, sli silver sneakers. Yeah, yeah. And she speed walks like four miles a day. I want to be her when I grow up. She's in way better shape than I am, which that's pretty embarrassing. Um <laughs> But I see their impact and how we look back and now the seeds that they made by, my mom grew up in an alcoholic home. And so she felt like she would never be able to break this cycle. And yet she did, she stepped out courageously, boldly. And now to see the trickle down effect of multiple generations um, living for Jesus and opening doors and um, just inviting one person um, and challenging one person, it's, it's just really, I think most of the stories that um, impact me the most are not like, I, I love if I get invited to a church and can speak on a platform and encourage, you know, 3000 women, right? It's an honor. But do I really believe that that one hour with them is what is going to radical, like kingdom influence? No, it is each of those women going home and opening her door and having a life-changing impact and going deep, 
with one or two or three people. Um, and that's where, that's where um, his love is manifested the most, you know, doing yeah. the behind the scenes, day-to-day, everyday, ordinary stuff. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's almost just changing the entire posture of your heart towards people. And when you said, you know, you feel junior high about caring about getting invited. I, I have thought the same things. And I think that it is just essential to who we are, to have people, to have a core group, even if it's one person, I mean, I have been so lonely in this season because my person, the, the woman that I did life with my best friend is back home in New York. And and I am constantly fighting the thought that I need to replace her, but the Lord put it on my heart. You're going to find somebody who isn't her, but is going to be a core person. But I think it's just essential as humans to want, to want somebody to encourage us and, and to have that. Um, well, and it's biblical, right? The core of the gospel is community. Yes. Um, Christ didn't do things alone. Yes. He didn't need us, mm-hmm. but he chose to do life yes. with us, right? So yes. we are built in. I mean, it starts in Genesis, right? When, when what was one of the very first acts of God? It was he, his nature is hospitable in the garden. He welcomed people into the garden. And then fast forward all the way to Revelation and what are we doing? We are gathering with believers and having a feast, the, mm-hmm. you know, the lamb, the feast around the table in Revelation. So throughout scripture, you can almost, when you start looking at scripture through a lens of gathering and hospitality and pursuing life on life um, aspects, we're going to start seeing it throughout scripture. And so he's put that core component in our hearts, yeah. you know, to do it together. And so when we don't have that, it's, it's painful because that's not how he intended it. Yes. Yes, exactly. I think, um, what I am learning about just as I'm working through the pain of loneliness and of being uprooted and leaving my family in New York is that, um, it's, it's just changing the posture of my heart towards people, you know, not, not needing to be in this certain group or thinking, oh man, these are the people I'm going to get to know and be best friends with. Because I think opening up our hands and saying, okay, Lord, whoever you bring my way or whoever you allow me to see has a need, I, I am going to serve. And those may be my people. They may not be who I thought that they were going to be this group of people that I'm, you know, say you move somewhere, this group of people that I, um, met when I moved here, I guess maybe they're not my people because it seems like you're calling me over here to serve these people. And even though it's not what I thought it was going to be, these are clearly your plans for me. So just not white knuckling our friendships and saying, no, these were the people that I was supposed to do life with. or the people I I wanted to do life with. And just saying, this is who the Lord is leading me. I think that is, that is really helpful for, the being the remedy for, for loneliness is opening our eyes and looking around us. Our pastor calls it having our head on a swivel. And I love that. Just like who can I invite in who needs to be brought into my, my life, who can I do life alongside of? And sometimes at least for me, like with, we all have really busy schedules, right? I mean, it took us forever to get a date on the calendar to do this, but I've realized that when I look at my calendar, um, I talk a lot about for like my early on years of my blog was all about frugal living because we went through some really hard financial times and unemployment. And so 
raising five kids without any money. And so I did a lot of, you know, frugal living tips and everything. And one of the things that I encourage women is if we look at two things, it tells us a lot about our priorities. If we look at our checkbook or our, you know, credit card or whatever, we look at our checkbook and we look at our calendar. It is going to show us a lot about how we prioritize our time. And if that doesn't convict, oh my goodness, I don't know what does. And so I started realizing that people always thought I was busy. Well, I don't want that. If I am really trying to be the hands and feet of Jesus, and I've got to have this posture that I'm not too busy for you. And so I started trying to do more spontaneous invitations. And what I love about spontaneous invitations is it does lower the bar a whole bunch, right? If you're just spontaneous, like, hey, come over. People know that you didn't have time to get your whole act together. <laughs> um, and so maybe it starts in your neighborhood. Maybe it's like you're out walking the dog and you realize that you have waved at this couple or this family down the road for two years and you've never introduced yourself. And maybe it means going first and crossing the road and just saying, hey, I've been waving to you forever and I'm sorry, I'd love to get to know you. Um, we bought some chicken breasts and we're throwing some on the grill. Why don't you come over for dinner tomorrow or something? You know, just a very simple um, beginning to extend that. And so I'm trying to do that now and obviously, you know, we're not all going to have the same flexibility. More people are working at home. Um, so there's a little bit more flexibility, but I've started realizing that some of the things on my to-do list that I feel like I have to get done today, well, there's a chance maybe I could do them tomorrow. Mm -hmm. And so I'm trying to be like in this season where some of these women are really struggling. Um, you can always tell like there might be a text like, oh, I'd really love to catch up. Well, it, it might sound like a casual text, but I think that I know that it means there's like a cry for help. They need someone. And so I've tried to, in the best of my ability, like last week, somebody sent one of those texts, like, can we get something on our calendar for next week? And I said, you know, I am busy this afternoon. Are, can you be spontaneous? And two hours later, she was on my sofa and she needed me that day. She didn't need me the next week. Um, and so we don't always have that flexibility, but I'm trying to be as sensitive to the Holy Spirit as I can to say, let's meet now or let's meet tonight or, or, you know, put some things by the wayside, um, some of my projects or whatever, yeah. um, to just try and be immediate because the impact that makes on somebody says, you really matter and you are priority over my to-do list. And I think that that long-term impact that has on somebody's heart, just like feeling very loved and seen can be a, a pretty powerful thing too. Yeah. And I think, again, it goes back to what we were talking about, about, you know, if you're that person doing the inviting, we have to let go of that expectation yeah. that the home is going to be perfect because you will be burned out. So for, for women listening right now who think, I, there is no way that I could clean my house on a whim. Every time somebody texted yeah, me and uh -huh. asked me, you're exactly right. You can't. And so yeah. like you have done, Jen, inviting people over in their pajamas with a half eaten bag yeah. of chips, yeah. that is still hospitality. So yeah. it's, it's just a changing. And 
let's be really honest. 10 minutes before somebody comes, oh my gosh, you get the Rubbermaid out. Do you know how much crap you can throw in a Rubbermaid and put in a guest room? Yes. (laughs) Oh, yes, I do. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I mean, it is amazing. I'm like superwoman and I'm not like, I'm not a really clean and organized person. So I, I think creatives tend to have lots of piles everywhere and I can throw all those piles in a Rubbermaid. I have even been known to take the Rubbermaid. I'm just, I'm being really honest. Cause if you want to step into open door living, you've got to let go of the expectations. So I have thrown stuff in a Rubbermaid, thrown a tablecloth over the Rubbermaid in a corner and stuck some candles on it. I have done this. <laughs> I love it. I love it so much. There's an analogy in there somewhere. <laughs> exactly. Um, um, okay, Jen, we are coming to the end of our time, but I just want to ask, um, for we've talked a lot about if you are the one doing the hosting and and how to reach out and offer hospitality, but for the women who are just really lonely right now and are in a season of needing someone to offer them hospitality, what would you say like really practically how, what is their next step? Like share with us just what you would advise that woman to do if she's lonely in her house, feeling cooped up or depressed or you name it. I know. Okay. That is, that's a really hard one. It's a really hard one because, um, I think there are two groups of people. And I realize there are ones who are by nature, the inviters. And then there are the ones who always wait to be invited. Um, And I've realized being the one who always invites is really hard because sometimes I will just be like, forget it, Lord. Okay, forget it. I'm not inviting. I'm going to wait and wait. And, you know, I kind of get like a little stink and then realize, okay, no one's inviting me. And so then I get more lonely, right? And so if you're somebody who is just sitting back and waiting in that place of loneliness, I mean, I wish I had a magic answer. I wish I could tell you that women of of his kingdom are gonna step forward and see your need and reach out to you, but it it doesn't always happen. It doesn't always happen. And I think we're in a really strange time too with this pandemic. Um, it's made it even worse, harder because people, the whole mass social distancing, vax, no vax. I mean, that's put this whole weird additional complex situation on it. And so um, if you're the one that is sitting back and it's lonely and dealing with anxiety and depression, the worst thing probably I could tell you is to try and be the initiator because a lot of times we are just trying to keep our head above water. We are just trying to keep our head above water. And so the thought of adding something else on our list feels overwhelming. And I wish if you live in North Carolina, reach out to me because I will have you. Or if anybody wants to drive to me, I will always have an open door. But if you're not within driving distance of North Carolina, it may be just needing to put our hands out and unclench our fist and just um, really pray and say, Lord, um, I am in a hard season and I need you to intervene and to show me that next step. Because um, anything Jen or Allie says, like, right, we don't know the situation. And it may just mean that little, little baby step 
uh, maybe there's a widow. Maybe there's a widow on your in your neighborhood, and maybe it is just buying some store-bought muffins and inviting the widow over. And maybe this is going to be this neat inner, you know, generational impact where someone further along in your season of life is going to minister to your heart in ways you don't know. Mm, um, yes. And so I wish I could, and I hate that. I wish I could say that just wait and someone's going to invite you. But speaking from experience, that doesn't always happen. And I've had those seasons where I kind of like, st I got, I got on a little high horse and I said, nope, I'm not inviting anybody. Nope, I'm not. I'm going to wait. And then all of a sudden I just got more lonely and more lonely and realized that is so not biblical, right? That is so not Jesus continually invited, even though he was spat on and pushed aside and he continually knocked on people's doors. And so we want, I want to be a door knocker, like in hearts, right? And so it doesn't always look, I wish it looked like cute cakes with sprinkles, <laughs> but it doesn't always look that way. Mm -hmm. um, and so that is not a very good answer, um, but, but it's an honest one, you know, mm -hmm. it's an honest one to just step forward and yes. just, you know. I think, I think that that was a great, great answer and just such a great reminder to, to let go of those expectations that we may have, because Jen, I've been in that same place of, I'm, I'm just not going to invite anybody. You know what? I'm, I'm sick of hosting. I'm sick yeah. of being the one to initiate yeah. on and on. And I, that comes from a place that my expectation is that it will be reciprocated or that I will get something from it. Yeah. And again, that's not what we see Jesus do. Yeah. So, and a lot of times there's, there is work involved, right? I think we live in this quick fix culture now where we want everything. We want to go through the drive-through and have everything just handed to us. And it's not, this is work. Relationships are work. Like they in, and yet it can be life-giving work, right? There is not a time where I've had people over where well, there are, there are some crazy stories, but most of the time, I'll say 90% of the time, the, when I say, oh, I'm so tired of this. No. Oh, I wish I hadn't invited him. Well, but by the end, I see how the Lord ordained it. And I'm like, this is exactly why I invited them. They might share something or something comes to light that, that he used me at that exact moment to, um, you know, pour some love or they loved on me in a way that, you know, wasn't expected. But so for those women who maybe are new or don't know anyone, like you mentioned your church, um, you know, sign up for a Bible study. Um, you do, people have to take the first step. We can't always be fed, you know, it's not going to always arrive on a silver platter, even though it might look like that on Instagram. Um, we may have to just take that first step and we may have some no's. We may have some no's um, until we get that yes. And then we realize like, wow, um, one of my very best friends who just moved away from me too. Um, and I asked her, she actually is someone that was on the Lifeway Bible study videos when I did the Lifeway Bible study. And she reached out to me, somebody in our church, we go to a really large church too. And they first moved and they gave her my name. It was in a season where like, I was so busy. I, I need to just connect with my own friends. And she reached out and I remember hearing her voicemail, like, oh, someone gave me your name, thought we might connect. And I kind, I was like, 
I don't have time for her. I mean, no, I don't think we're a good match. And I'm not kidding. We went a year and I met her at church and was like, oh no, I don't think that we're going to, you know, we're too different or whatever. Oh my goodness. I wasted out all that time. She ended up being one of my dearest friends. And then her husband got transferred right before, like during COVID. And now I'm just so mad at myself that I missed out on time with her mm. because I just made a presupposition about who she was from afar and thought, oh, I don't have time for her. Well, yeah. what a mistake. And so that might be someone who's listening, their story, like the most unlikely person you might realize, oh my goodness, she is a kindred spirit. You mm -hmm. know? Yeah. Okay. One more question. Um, and this is asking you to be vulnerable. And so if you're like, no, let's not, let's not go there. You don't. Oh have to. no, I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> but I just really want to drive home the idea that maybe we just need to release our expectations that we had for what our friend group was going to look like or what our social circle would do together or, you know, um, whatever, what, what did you assume about her or even about yourself that made you think, no, I don't really want to get to know her. Cause I have, I've been in that situation where I'm, I mean, even still there's, I'm meeting new people left and right at my church and we're, we're still fairly new. And so sometimes we'll walk away. I will walk away from a conversation and say to my husband, I just, I don't know if we're going to be friends. And so I would love to hear what, just the thought process that you have about um, why we assume that we're not going to become friends with somebody. Well, yeah. And I mean, it seems, it seems so superficial. And I think had I not been in a really busy season, I, I love giving people the benefit of the doubt. And I love like everybody has a story and I love hearing stories. And so, but I think I was busy and I just wanted to try and, um, go deeper with some of my existing friends. And so, but what it was, and I didn't even, I didn't know her at all. I just went off of what other people said, which we know we should never do. And what some people told me about some parenting decisions. I mean, I'll be honest, some of the parenting decisions that they had made, I was like, okay, that, I so disagree with that. Oh my goodness, I would never do that. And that, I was a younger mom, and that is what made me assume that I didn't think we could be kindred spirits because of parenting decisions she made. Mm. And verbalizing that, I think that's the first time I've ever really said that, but I think there's a very practical, tangible um, thing we can all learn because right now, politics, the mask mandate, I mean, church trauma or things we're going, we make a ton of assumptions about people without going first and offering grace, right? And giving grace to people and their differing um, decisions. And so I realize now I'm, I was a I was more legalistic in my parenting as a younger mom. I thought I knew I thought I was the ish in raising those kids because let me tell you, they were going to be some fabulous kids. And I realized that um, I, in a little way, made my mothering and my kids, it was, they were a little bit of idols in my life. Like, I am going to do everything right. And then look how we can glorify the Lord's name because I have these perfect children. What a sham. I mean, that is like the biggest lie I ever told myself because we can raise, we have five amazing children and 
praise Jesus, they are all chasing after Jesus, despite, in spite of some of the choices that my husband and I did, right? Um, we made lots of mistakes and I realized we can raise five children, educate them the same, discipline them the same, and wow, do they make completely different choices. Um, and so I look, and this is kind of a little bit of a mothering tangent, but it all ties in too with hospitality. A lot of times things are just out of our control and we got to step forward and do the best we can with the tools God has equipped us with, with his wisdom, with his scripture, like bringing it before the throne and just praying and saying, Lord, um, use me. I feel really ill-equipped. And if we think we can do it all, we've got it wrong because it is all about the power of the Holy Spirit working in us. And I... I forgot about that a lot of times when I was parenting because I thought, oh, it's going to be my personality and my choices and I'm going to, and that is what's going to make these little Jesus loving children. And no, it is just saying, Lord, the older I get, the more I know I need you and I need your wisdom because I am not as smart as I thought I was 20 years ago, <laughs> you know? And oh my so goodness. That's so good. Thank you for the extra bit. <laughs> Oh, Jen, I feel like we could talk forever, but I so appreciate the time that you have already given us. Um, will I love to end on a fun question. And so if you would okay. just um, let us know um, right now, if you could have one wish granted, if you had a magic genie, what wish would you ask for? It can be anything. It doesn't have to be super spiritual. <laughs> okay, good. Because, well, it kind of is spiritual, maybe. Oh my gosh. I so know this because... So in the pandemic, and when I realized that, you know, I wasn't going to churches anymore because really they're not bringing in speakers right now in hospitality, even though I think it's more important now than ever, they're bringing in the speakers who are writing on like anxiety and control and, you know, all those different things. And so I said, I, my heart has always been to bring women to, to me. Like my dream has been to build a barn on our property. We've got a lot of acres, um, but financially we knew we were not gonna be able to do this. Well, in the middle midst of the pandemic, this foreclosure came up right down the street from us, this little ranch house. And we're kind of rural North Carolina, so it was really a great deal. Um, but, oh my goodness, it needs so much work. And so we bought it as a hospitality house. It is called The Becoming Cottage because I host a conference called Becoming. It's kind of my ministry arm. And it is going to be for those in need, maybe people who can't afford a weekend away, but it also has a workshop that I'm kind of turning into a barn that's going to be like an event place to gather people. We'll be able to seat probably a hundred in this uh, workshop barn. <laughs> My daughter says, mom, you got to stop calling it a barn. It's like a garage. I said, oh no, I can call it anything I want. <laughs> I am naming it what I want. So if I had a magic genie, it would be not for money so that I could like buy all this cool stuff because right now I'm doing it on a ministry budget and I'm I'm scraping popcorn ceilings. I'm taking out moldy insulation. I am pressure. I'm doing all the manual labor myself and I am too old for that. <laughs> I don't have the money to hire any contractors except for the roof. We hired at the new roof. So my magic genie would be just for people. And we're in the process of making it a 5013C. So it'll be a nonprofit, but just to be able to um, make that little piece of property into this place of respite and welcome and care 
um, for families and women and anybody that needs it. So mm. that's what a magic genie in a bottle and it's a five-year plan right now. So whether the magic genie appears or not, I know that the Lord is going to walk through it. And I have some amazing thrift store finds for it already. Everything is like secondhand. We're painting the cabinets, doing all the DIY, laid flooring for the first time at 52. So I'm learning lots of new tricks. So it's all kind of tied together with hospitality because it's going to be a hospitality house. So. I love it. And speaking of which, I have been watching your Instagram stories just as uh, yeah. you know, when I get little bits of time at night when the girls are asleep, I'll... <laughs> I'll check and see that you have done a new project. And so would you share with us where we can not only follow along with this journey, but all of your wisdom and your fun, your Instagram is so fun. Would you share your Instagram handle and any other social media that you well, have? My main Instagram handle is Jen Schmidt underscore beauty and bedlam. And then you'll be able to find off there. It's the becoming cottage, which is what we're fixing up. But normally I kind of share between the two, but I, yeah, my blog is beautyandbedlam.com. Although it is very quiet these days, as I've been scraping popcorn ceilings, uh, I'm on Instagram more regularly, but it is not like the pretty feed, right? So my, my following is not growing in leaps and bounds because I think people are tired of seeing me showing up with like a sweaty face and like gunk and no. dust. Don't stop. Don't stop doing that. <laughs> and then um, Jen, would you just share again, the name of your book and your blog and your conference so that we can. Sure. With just, yep. The book um, is just open the door, how one invitation can change generation. And um, that is like the, the book. There's also the Bible study but that's a, a separate one. Um, and my blog is beautyandbedlam.com. Lots of past. I mean, there's 12 years worth, lots of years worth of frugal living tips and money saving tips and parenting tradition. So there's lots of content. It's just not uh, updated very regularly these days. <laughs> mm -hmm. I love it. Awesome. Well, Jen, thank you so much again for being here with us today. Yeah. Thank you, Allie. Hey, thank you for joining us today. I hope you're not falling for a lie that you could never be holy enough to respond to your situation as our guest today did. I know that's sometimes where my head goes when I hear stories of holy struggle, so can I remind you that you have everything you need to respond the same way? Jesus offers hope in our pain, and it usually only requires a perspective shift to notice it. So whether it's time in His Word, going for a walk through creation, or a heart-to-heart -heart with a friend, this is your weekly reminder to take time to snatch that much-needed perspective shift.